Welcome to Supercharge My Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping you build a thriving and fulfilling natural therapies business. Each week, your host, Anil Mustafa, interviews leading practitioners and field experts, sharing proven tactics, inspiring stories, and actionable steps that will help you unlock your potential. Supercharge My Practice is proudly brought to you by My Appointments Practice Management System. Welcome back, listeners. Today, I'll be deep diving into the insecurities that might be hindering your client's care and, of course, your success as a natural health practitioner. Now, the three main blocks I'll be covering today are money blocks, the fear of asking clients to rebook, and recalling patients who haven't been in for a little while. Now, I'm sure there is plenty of other blocks that our practitioners face, including imposter syndrome, but that's something that I want to cover over an entire episode. So let's get started with the first of the three, and that is money blocks. Now, if you're in business, it's essential to acknowledge that making money goes beyond the pursuit of material wealth. It's about creating a sustainable foundation for your mission to thrive and impact your patients' lives. Now, you might be passionate about changing the world, delivering value, and helping people lead healthier lives, which is, of course, absolutely amazing. But here is a reality check. Without financial stability, your ability to fulfill these aspirations is not possible. Now, the reasons for money blocks might be as a result of the fear of charging what you're worth. It could be uh, that you feel guilty about earning money from your passion, or maybe it's that you're worried about rejection due to your pricing. Now, these blocks can cast the shadow over your business growth. They might cause you to underprice your services, over-deliver without fair compensation, or even unconsciously repel opportunities for expansion. So how can we overcome these money blocks? Now, I've got five main topics here. And the first is self-awareness. You need to recognize and acknowledge your money blocks, understand the source of these beliefs and how they might be holding you back. Number two is you need to shift your mindset. You need to cultivate a prosperity mindset. So embrace the idea that by charging appropriately for your services, you're enabling yourself to deliver even more value to your clients. Now, also think about it as a value exchange. Number three, understand that money money is an energy exchange. When clients invest in your services, they're committing to their well-being and acknowledge acknowledging the worth of your expertise. Number four is to seek support. Reach out to your fellow practitioners who have overcome similar challenges. Their experiences can provide valuable guidance. And additionally, consider incorporating practices like EFT and affirmations to help reshape your relationship with money. And number five is to celebrate abundance. Acknowledge your achievements and the positive impact your work has had on others. This can reinforce a positive relationship with money. Now, other things you can do is making sure that your prices are listed on your website, and you may even like to add the cost of your services in your welcome emails to your clients. Now, this ensures your clients are well-informed about the cost of your services, and that eliminates any potential surprises and concerns about affordability, which would make it easy enough for you to collect payment at the time of your services. Now, by embracing a healthy relationship with money, you're allowing your passion to flourish and your business to thrive and your impact to expand beyond boundaries. 
Now, I want to tell you a little story about the experience I had with a naturopath who let her own money blocks get in the way of my care. Now, at the time, I was really struggling with chronic fatigue, and I found a naturopath that sounded really amazing. She had her prices listed on her website. I was very well aware of what her costs were. She went through the consultation with me. She bombarded with me with a lot of information. And at the end, after giving me all this information and telling me what she thought I should do, she just stopped. She didn't say a word. We got that awkward silence and I waited for a minute and then another minute. And then I said to her, okay, well, when do you want to see me again? And her response was in a very, very unconvincing way, clearly not very confident. She said to me, oh, well, it would be good to see you again next month if you can afford it. It's going to cost $160. And I just stopped for a minute and I was really taken aback because the way she said it, it's going to cost you $160. It sounded like it was really expensive. It sounded like she thought it was really, really expensive. And what she did was project her own insecurities about money onto me because now suddenly I was thinking, can I afford this care? Is is this a lot of money? Uh, should I be spending this money on my family? Am I being selfish for spending this money on myself? And I really started to doubt whether or not it was worth my money to seek advice from somebody who's meant to be a professional. And I'm telling you, it took me months and months and months to get over this. And the reason is because as a child, I grew up with a family that had very little Now, we never went without anything that we absolutely needed, but we very, very rarely got anything that we wanted. So we're always taught that we've got to save our money and only spend our money on essential things. So now all of a sudden I was feeling like I wasn't using my money wisely and that maybe I didn't really need the care of this naturopath and I could do my own research and work it out. In the meantime, I got worse. My fatigue became Uh, so unbearable that I then got desperate enough to look out and reach out to another naturopath. So this is what I'm trying to explain to you because this practitioner was concerned about my financial status, whether I could afford her treatments. She then projected those insecurities and made me start questioning. And in the meantime, instead of going back to see her like I should have, I sat there and suffered for longer because I didn't want to go back to see someone else who might be wasting my money. Now, the naturopath that I actually ended up booking in with charged $220 for a consultation, and she sent me for about $700 worth of testing and $300 worth of supplements on one visit alone. But I didn't flinch. I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't think, wow, that was expensive. But when she delivered the message to me confidently and told me what I needed, I went, going to do it no problem at all, because my practitioner is giving me faith that this is what I needed. So you need to be confident in how you talk to your patients and you need to ensure that you are focusing on just telling your clients what they need. Don't be concerned about whether they can afford your care because that's not your problem. You don't know their financial situation. So focus on you, focus on your client, give them the advice and care that they need. And this will not allow your own money blocks to start getting in the way. So that's one of the first uh, topics that I wanted to cover in this podcast. Now, the next block I'd love to talk about is asking clients to rebook. I think this is a really big deal. Now, this is also something in that same story in which 
this practitioner didn't give me the confidence to want to rebook with her because she didn't deliver the message confidently. Oh, it would be good to see you. It was so unconvincing. I wasn't even sure if she wanted to see me. Uh, Maybe she didn't like me. Maybe she didn't think she could help me. But these are all the things that were going through my mind because I had to ask her and she didn't deliver it confidently when telling me when to come back to see her. So I want to tell you the story about Mark, who's another one of my patients. And this story for me is probably quite remarkable because Mark walked out of his first appointment with me telling me that I had given him the best treatment of his life and nobody had been able to relieve him of his pain. Now, Mark had come to see me two years after falling asleep at the wheel of his truck and driving off a 70-metre embankment. So he was in a considerable amount of pain, but he was seeing the chiropractor who I was working with in my first year after completing um, the first year of my therapy. And so I had come to see him at a time where he'd been seeing lots of other practitioners. So when he's walking out of my treatment telling me that I've given him more relief than any other practitioners he's ever seen, one would think that he's going to want to come back to ensure that he gets continual relief and hopefully we can get on top of his problem. But that's not what happened. Two weeks after the first visit, Mark hadn't rebooked, I hadn't seen him, but he came back in to see the chiropractor. And I thought for sure he's going to rebook to see me, but he didn't. He walked out again. And at the end of that um, shift, the chiropractor came up to me and said to me, how did you go with Mark? I said, really, really well. He really enjoyed the treatment. He got a lot of benefit out of it. And he said, well, when's he coming back to see you? I said, well, he hasn't booked another appointment. And the chiropractor said, well, did you ask him? And I replied, no. And the chiropractor says to me, well, why not? And I said, well, because I didn't want him to think that I just wanted his money. And he said, so you let your own insecurities get in the way of telling him what he needed. Are you the expert or is he? And I said, well, I'm the expert clearly. And he said, then it's your job to tell him what he needs. It's not your job to worry about whether he can afford you. It's not your job to worry about whether uh, he thinks he shouldn't see you or whatnot. It's just telling him what he needs. Did he honestly need another treatment? I said, of course he did. And he said, well, then it's your job to tell him what he needs. Tell him when he wants to, when he needs to rebook. If he chooses not to follow your advice, but that's on him. The difference here is that now Mark is walking out of this clinic thinking that you can't help him. He told me that the reason why he wasn't coming back to see you was because he thought you couldn't help him. And I said, well, that's not fair. How can he expect that I'm going to help him in a single visit? He said, well, that's your problem. You didn't tell him to come back. So he assumed that meant you couldn't help him. So imagine that scenario. You've helped a patient so much, but they've walked out thinking that you can't help them. I mean, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But because I wasn't confident in telling him to come back, he just naturally assumed that I couldn't help him. So it's really important that you stop worrying about what your clients are thinking and focus only on telling them what they need. Again, if they choose not to follow your advice, that is on them, but at least they're not going to walk out of your clinic thinking that you can't help them and telling others that maybe you can only provide temporary relief. So what can we do to make our rebooking rates better? The first is obviously client care and having good relationship with your clients. That's absolutely pivotal. But the next thing is that you really need to take some time to map out your patient's journey. So from the minute your client walks into the door 
to the minute they walk out, you need to have an idea of exactly what's going to happen and what you're going to say in order to ensure that your clients are getting the best care from your services. So what do you do? Client walks in, what are you going to say to them? For me, it's hello, welcome, uh, this is where the toilet is, please fill in your intake form, general chit-chat, and then when the intake form is completed, I'll take them through into my office, I'll sit them down, I'll tell them where to put their bags, I'll tell them where to um, take a seat, and then I'll ask them some general stuff, how's your day today, etc., and then I'll explain to them what the process of the treatment will be for the day. So the first would be that we'd go through their intake form together, ask some questions, get to know them on a deeper level to understand their condition, and then we'll go through, we'll do some testing, we'll go and do some treatment, we'll do some retesting, and then I'll let you know what I found. How does that sound? So now my client knows exactly what is going to happen. When Before I walk out the room, I'll say to them, now, I'd like you to take off whatever item of clothing is necessary for the purpose of my treatment. And now I want you to lie on the table, head down, legs this way, head this way, and uh, face down. Any questions? No, great. I'll give you a moment to get changed. I'll leave the room. I'll wait till they're changed. I'll come into the room. And then we'll go through and treatment processes. We'll go through retesting processes. And then I'll explain to the client what I found. Now, here is the most important part. What you'll say to your clients is, this is what I found. And you can apply this to any discipline. If you're a naturopath, you obviously wouldn't be explaining to clients how to get changed, but you should be explaining them what's going to happen in the treatment and what to expect from them. So at the end of the service, I would say something along the lines of, now, this is what I found on you after re-examining. I found this, this, and this. You've mentioned that your pains decreased, your range of motion has increased, which is absolutely fantastic after your first visit. However, typically for a condition like this, I need to see my patients for about three to four weeks, usually weekly, until so that we can get on top of the problem. Now, the more you can do outside of my clinic to help yourself, the less I'll need to see you. So the advice I've got for you is X, Y, Z, stretches, heat pack, et cetera, et cetera. If you can do those for me, we probably won't need to see you as often. But again, typically, I see my patients once a week for three to four weeks so that we can really get on top of the problem. We'll then stretch the treatments out to two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and so on and so forth until you either don't need me or we get to a stage that you need to maintain your condition. Then I'll say, I'll let you, I'll meet you, uh, get you, let you get changed and I'll meet you up the front. So my client is now very, very clear on exactly what it is that is expected of them. Again, if they choose not to follow that advice, that is up to them. But as a practitioner, I've told them what my expertise tells me that they need and I have now done my job. So once the client finishes getting changed, I'll walk them to, they'll walk to the front of my reception area and then I'll say, how are you feeling? Great. Now, as I mentioned to you, I need to see you again next week. Do you prefer mornings or afternoons? I prefer mornings. Great. Do you prefer Monday mornings or Wednesday mornings? Wednesday mornings. Excellent. I've got 9 a.m. available or 11 a.m. Which do you prefer? 11 a.m. Great. Thank you. X, Y, Z, this, expect this, expect that. Go through the rest of the treatment processes that are relevant to you in your industry and then your client walks out the door. Now, having a script of what you want to say to your clients when it comes to rebooking is going to make a huge, huge, huge difference. Why? Because you're going to deliver a confident message to your clients, which is going to make them 
understand that this is what they need and they're going to be more inclined to want to book an appointment on the spot. You want to also make sure that you are always appear busy even if you're not. Do not say to your clients, when do you want to come back in or when suits you or, you know, did you want to give me a call for your next visit? You're not sounding confident and you're also giving your clients the opportunity to book in a time that may not be as convenient for you. So what you want to do is Uh, offer them two time slots around the time that they normally come in and ask them to choose. Now, sometimes they'll say, I can't make either of those times. So you'll offer a time that's a little bit later. You might, you might say to them, what time would you, would you, would suit you best? And if they say the times that suit me best are uh, three o'clock, then you would say, all right, I've got one o'clock available or I've got uh, 3.30, whatever it is that you've got available around that time, that's when you'd offer. But you always give them an option of two appointment times and work with those. Now, this works so much better than you waiting for the client to work out when they're available. Now, I can tell you I'm a very busy person. I've got uh, four businesses that we manage and uh, I've got four children And so if you say to me, when's a good time for you to come back in, I'm going to go into a bit of a tailspin because there's never a good time for me to leave my desk or leave my kids to come in for an appointment. So I'm going to sit there and go, oh, God, what's a good day for me? Maybe Monday. No, actually not Monday. Maybe Tuesday. Oh, sorry, kids have got soccer on Tuesdays and Tuesdays is a busy day. And then I'm going through this process in my own head, trying to work out when's the best time to inconvenience myself to go in for an appointment? Because at this point, it sounds like an inconvenience for me to do this. Whereas if you had confidently said to me, uh, I've got Monday morning at 11am or 9am, which do you prefer? I would just check my calendar, go, yep, 9am free, book me in. Not only does it get your clients to book quicker, but it gets them out the door quicker. And that is very important when you book clients back to back, because the last thing you want is a client sitting there going through their diary, working out day by day when they can come back in, because it does take a lot of time. And especially if you've got a patient waiting, that is not good. So be confident in what you say, practice what you want to say and map out your patient's journey if you want to improve your rebooking rates. Now, the last one I want to cover in this podcast today is recalls. And I'm sure there's many of you that are going to be cringing at the thought of even contacting clients who haven't been in to see you for a little while. But I want to understand why it's so important to do so. Now, if your clients truly require your care, they might benefit from a gentle reminder. Life can often disrupt our routines, causing us to stray from our care. Therefore, a straightforward check-in uh, making uh, can make a, a significant difference. So allow me to share the story of Shelley. Should be my last one for today. But she's one of my wonderful patients who provided a very, very valuable lesson to me quite early on in my career. Now, I love what I do as a myotherapist. I really enjoy being with my patients and my patients' care and giving them a good experience in my practice is really, really important to me. And my patients know this too. They know that I go above and beyond to help support them in their health. So Shelley was an older nurse who came to see me every month without fail. She never missed an appointment. She never cancelled an appointment. She never forgot an appointment. She loved the treatment. She got great benefit from my care. But one day after about five years, Sally disappeared. And I was really concerned that something may have happened to her. And I really wanted to call her just to check in to see if she was okay. But 
I was worried that if I called her to ask her how she was, she'd assume that I was only calling her because I wanted her to book an appointment. Now, as you've probably heard me mention in past podcasts, I was always a busy practitioner. I had a waiting list. I never needed to market myself. My patients knew I was really busy, and yet I still had this fear that they would think that I needed their money and I was desperate enough to call them to try and get them to rebook. So I didn't call Shelly, and about a year and a half later, I was just about to finish my shift on a Saturday afternoon, and there's Shelly on the on the phone, and she sounds really, really happy, and she says, Anil, it's Shelly. Are you still at the office? I said, I am. I'm here for another half an hour. What's going on? She said, I'm in the area. Uh, my daughter's had a baby. I want you to meet my granddaughter. Can you please wait for me? I said, I would absolutely love to see you and meet your granddaughter, Shelly. So in she walks in about 10 minutes later, and I was expecting her to be as bubbly as she was on the phone, but she wasn't. She was angry. I could feel her negative energy from the minute she was at my door walking towards my reception desk. And when she gets to my reception desk, she slams her hand on my desk so loudly that I literally jumped backwards. And she said to me, why haven't you called me? And I just melted and I said, Shelly, I'm so sorry. I've been so worried about you. I was worried that something had happened to you, but I didn't want to call you because I didn't want you to think that I was just after your money and I wanted you to book an appointment. And she said to me, well, the chiropractors called me probably about five or six times in this last year and a half. I haven't been to see him either. But he at least called me. He didn't ask me to read books. Sometimes he said, do I need a treatment? But he just called me just to check in to see if I was okay and you didn't. And I said, "I'm again, Shelly, I can only apologize to you and tell you that it's my mistake and that it wasn't for lack of concern. It was purely because I was worried that you'd think that I was wanting you to book another appointment. And I said, you know me, Shelly, you know that I'm all about my patients. You know that I'm not driven by money and that I love doing what I do. And she said to me, well, Anil, for the first time, I felt like maybe you were all about the money because if you weren't, you should have picked up the phone to check in to see if I was okay. And that really melted my heart. And I said to her, I'm really sorry, Shelly. Thank you for teaching me this valuable lesson. I promise not to let my own insecurities get in the way of your care. So I hope those powerful stories give you some confidence and make you look at things in a different light because often what you don't realize is When you start worrying about what your patients are thinking about what you're going to say or asking them to rebook or asking them to pay for your services, what you don't realize is that they're not going to get the care that they need, that they deserve by coming to see you as the expert. So when you start looking at it from that front, that your insecurities are impacting their care, then I think it starts shining a different light on these blocks that we have. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to hearing, having you join me for the next one. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest releases and for more helpful tips, look for me on Instagram under the handle supercharged my practice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my appointments.